As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. guys and welcome back to beyond, beyond the void for a podcast that's right it's episode 359 and we have returned with some killer thrillers Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's really excited trust me so excited <laughs> well we got a couple of thrillers one that's an eviction thriller and one that's a supernatural thriller so that is pacific heights from 1990 and Mr. Frost from 1990. Yeah, we had to go and look up when they actually aired in the theater to go in order because that's how anal we are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these two, uh, one of them was a big surprise to me and the other one I had already had seen, one I had not. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I was really surprised by one of them. So we're going to get into that. It's uh, interesting. There's a couple of people famous people in these movies both the movies yeah right and it's interesting to kind of switch it up to a little bit of a thriller style because there's so many good thrillers that have murder and mystery and all kinds of stuff in it that you wouldn't normally have like a lot of my favorite like sort of horror things are thriller like psychological thrillers mm -hmm. and a lot of psychological thrillers really go into the like supernatural elements or like Lovecraftian elements because you're dealing with people going crazy. So it's cool to kind of visit those things. Like one of the movies that was really a thriller that I loved back in the day. Remember Invitation? The Invitation? Oh, yeah. It's like a little rough around the edges acting wise. But, right. but the acting is also very superior because of the way they act. Right. Yeah, because they had to act a certain way. Right. But it's like, you know, you, you feel like something's off and that's the way you're supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. Because it's like... I love movies that strip away sort of the reality mm -hmm. around you and those kind of things. Now, these movies are a little bit different than that, but I just I'm pointing out that thrillers in general are a good source of like a lighter style of horror in, in, a, in a way. You know what I mean? So I like to also kind of traipse the outskirts of horror anyway, because there's just I just like watching fucking movies, man. Right. Anything that is genre related, for the most part, I am pretty fucking into you know what i mean right so cult or otherwise but uh yeah how are you christina what's going on with you i'm so annoyed uh-oh they announced the oscar nominations <laughs> for oh, next god. month oh my god yeah that, everybody's been talking about oh, that all week so annoying but it's always annoying it's gonna be annoying yeah, that's what i told you I was, I was like christina just can we not talk about it because like every year it's the same fucking i thing. know but i can't help it because it is interesting 
And the process is interesting. I like the Golden Globes better. It's always going to be a little biased. There's no way to not have bias because, you know, they pick the same people or different people. Is it same people every it's year? All, well, yeah, well, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You're always going to have their, they're going to have their biases and they're probably old fucks. Yeah, it's a, it's a club. It's a, a country club. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have that. And there's no, that's why when I do reviews, there is no right answer. Nobody is ever right about a fucking single review. They may be people that agree with you more. There may be people that agree with you less, but there's always one motherfucker who likes the worst fucking movie ever made. That's their favorite film ever. And they may like it for very many different reasons than we would. Right. So the the thing was Barbie, uh, Greta Gerwig and... Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie didn't get nominations. But Ryan Gosling did. Yeah, well. Which is the whole fucking point of the goddamn movie. Well, I mean, he's. And I wasn't even a big fan of that movie. Dude, like, those women shit on Ken, dude. This is this is all about. What are you about, talking about? We have to bring men back to the top. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they Women have ruled for too long. And I've had enough. <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> I'm Ken enough. All right. I'm getting up. It's so stupid. <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate that that is the point that most people get from the goddamn movie. They were like, Ugh. oh, we'll just give it to the screenwriter just so they would just fuck off because you know they're going to bitch about it. That's what the, the club was thinking as they're like teeing well, off or like. There's no female directors that were nominated. You know, because like when you go to what okay. was the award show? Why am I forgetting the name? At the Oscars. The Academy like, Awards. Right. So at the Academy Awards dinner party where they all decide all this and stuff and they carve open babies, you know, for the cabal. Uh, <laughs> I'm just fucking around. You know some fucking crazy ass motherfucker thinks that, right? <laughs> of course. This is America, Alex. Yeah, I know. I mean, honestly, I, I, you don't have to go that far to not like them, you know? <laughs> you can just be like, you know... There's certain groups like that's not a group I really give a fuck about, really. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's like horror never gets any fucking nominations well, for are, anything. All, all the people who are a part of that, though, are there are all they've all worked within the industry for a long time. too. When they snub, which makes it more interesting, you when, know, in the right. long run. Right. OK, sorry. I didn't interrupt you. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. Jesus. I'm just excited to talk. OK. Uh, uh, anyway, when they snubbed Hereditary, that's when I knew I was just done. I was done because that was like the closest thing I had seen that would even be close to what they like. And I only meant it because of what they like. No, they it's not like, what you know they what I mean? like. It's who it's who they know. It's not what right, they like. Whatever. It's who they know. Whoever, you know. He sir. wasn't big enough to be a part of that yet. Right. Whatever. Stupid. Fucking stupid. Yet they'll pick some fucking random weird ass movie, which granted, you know, I haven't seen all the films that were nominated anyway. So it's like, well, I last can't be. Year was good. I can't be a complete. Everything everywhere all at once. Oh, all like, on the Western yeah. forefront or whatever the fuck uh, it was. The whale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are ones that make sense because there's this air about them, you know, that they have about, of excellence. <laughs> but, you know, Ari Aster did Bo is Afraid, and that was a fan favorite for some and not a lot. I didn't even finish it. We did, yeah. We we had a hard time. We got to the part. I had a hard time because I fell asleep. I can't, I, I a, was having such anxiety. I couldn't even. He got to the woods, and then I was like, I can't do this anymore. Okay, so I fell asleep in an anxiety-ridden movie, 
which means that there it has nothing to do with me being tired, just by the way. <laughs> but it really upset me because I really wanted to watch that movie, and now I have to go back to the beginning to do it all over again. Oh, my God. And I made it an hour and a half in. Yeah. And that's when I passed out. Halfway. You made it like halfway. Yeah. What else is uh, on the news? Oh, uh, I did do a... Murray's a little upset with right now. He's demanding his goodies. So I did go on another podcast with another host. How'd that go? Went on the Bloody Good Film Podcast, and Jesse was not there, but Josh Again? Was. Yes, again. He just does not like you. I know. That's what I said. I told Josh. I was like, I don't know what it is, man. He took me to dinner. I haven't spoken to him since. You know, we had that one podcast together. and That, since, that was it. He was done. He's he like, I can't done. do this anymore. Yeah, I invited him on. He wouldn't come. Josh just did it. So <laughs> I don't know, Jesse. You know what? You owe me. A BJ and a steak, at least. So November's oh coming soon. <laughs> so wait. So when does that episode come out? Uh, it's this actually week? this week. So oh, yeah, thanks. you'll get. I think it'll be on Tuesday. I think they they released theirs on Tuesday. Uh, what did you watch? Uh, we watched a Jet Li movie because it's an action horror podcast, which they do both. If you haven't followed them and you haven't listened, you should get them a listen. Josh is a wily, uh, crazy, fun guy who is pretty open to a lot of different stuff. He's opinionated on a few things, but. Um, He's a nice guy, and we've been good friends for a while now. So uh, we were talking about the Buzzkill podcast guys a little bit. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, we're like best buddies now. I was like, yeah, those motherfuckers have lied to me. I don't want to spoil the show, but yeah. <laughs> I was like, they used to listen to us, but now they don't. You know? I think they hate women. So <laughs> I didn't say that on his show, but I think it'd be funny if they hear that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But we had a really good time talking about Jet Li's Kung Fu Cult Master, by the way. Oh. So it was a it was a fun movie to talk about. I don't really get to talk about those kind of movies. And, right. uh, you know, I kind of pick I picked one. That one's like a little bit on the, the mid scale, mm -hmm. but it's one that no one ever talks about. Oh. So okay. I wanted to pick movies that are gems, you know, ones that you don't talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. so josh is always like why don't you ever bring like one of the big ones that you love you know i was like well i did remo williams i did on their show last time and then i did kung fu cult master with jet lee which is an underrated gem in my opinion for those usia mm -hmm. uh they're called usia films because they're not martial arts films they're acrobatic sort of oh circus DLA style yeah it's pretty cool though we had a good time talking about it of course josh and i derailed like a motherfucker so well that's we, good you guys have good banter jesse wasn't there to, to to reel him back either which is funny because last time i was on there jesse had to like steer the ship while josh and i fucking were <laughs> running around up. like a bunch of fucking helmet wearing idiots you know like <laughs> hey boss what you doing <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, Jesse was the ship runner on that one. So <laughs> I think Josh fell off the ship. I fucking rolled under the under the thing and fell asleep. Anyway, so but yeah, we had fun on that. What, Murray? This is it. That's it. So yeah, we had fun. It was it was a good time. Can't wait to listen. Yeah, so you guys can listen to that. I'll I'll share it on our social media. So you should definitely check that out. If you're not following us on Threads, Blue Sky. <laughs> Uh, what's the other one? Slasher, uh, which is an app that we have. We also do TikTok and fucking Twitter or X. X. Oh God. Is, I, I'm, are uh, people still there? Yeah. And the only reason I stay on it is because of the few people that are, you know? Oh. So it's like, we just kind of ignore all the bad shit and just kind of move on with it. Like, I, I really hate Twitter though. No, it's just terrible. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't love it before, but like... <laughs> 
it's just so much worse now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a quite a few people on there. So we do have some HP Lovecraft films coming up here soon. A little bit on the budgety side uh, that uh, eh, you know might be okay. Gods of the Deep, and then there's another one I forget what it's called, but there are a couple of decent ones. Gods of the Deep is coming out on February 6th on VOD. We got Stop Motion on February 23rd, which looks really cool. I talk about that on the uh, show, so keep an eye on that. It's going to be February 23rd in theaters, and then it's coming to Shudder on May 31st. So if you want to see Stop Motion, catch it in the theater first and then catch it on Shudder. I think that's the compromise Shudder's been doing lately. Mm-hmm. Remember AMC was like talking about cutting back all their shows and everybody was worried that Shudder was going to be one of the things that they cut out. Right. I think what they did is they shifted their spending around a little bit because it used to be that it would air on Shudder first and then now they've been moving it to like, oh, well, we'll pick it up later instead mm-hmm. of being the predominant service to have it. Mm-hmm. They'll like put it up on VOD for three months and then like or a couple months or so, and then put it on their service, like they did with Suitable Flesh. Oh, okay. So instead of putting up too much money up front at the festivals, mm-hmm. they they do a distribution deal with it, but just not as much money if they wait a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, for them to make their own money, I guess, with it. Another one that's coming out that's a H.P. Lovecraft film is The Old Ones, which is coming out on VOD in March as well. And I didn't forget to write the, the date on that one. I think it's March 27th. Those are two good ones if you're an H.P. Lovecraft fan to keep an eye out for. Uh, They both are kind of cheap practical effects and sort of, they're not cheap practical effects. Practical effects are not cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. There is some CGI in a couple of them, but... um, That's cheap. But they're definitely on the independent side. But that's what you're going to have to get with H.P. Lovecraft anyway, because it seems like they're so fantastical and weird that... You know, nobody wants to touch it that has money. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much of a risk. I don't know why Del Toro hasn't gotten his off the ground yet, but... And I guess it looks like James Wan is going to be doing In the the Mountains of Madness, which originally was going to be Del Toro's uh, first H.P. Lovecraft feature. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if he's going to be one of the producers on that film as well. Mm -hmm. I think Wan could probably do it because every time I watched Aquaman, the very first one, and you saw those, like, creatures in the deep... I was like, oh, my God, this is like H.P. Lovecraft, Mm -hmm. you know, like only like, you know, obviously an action fantasy film. Right. But like the creatures in that were pretty fucking insane. Mm -hmm. So I I think he's fully capable of like bringing something to the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't read that story in a while, but I do remember that people went like insane as they got closer to the mountains. Mm -hmm. And I do have the audio book, the story, (laughs) the radio story and the actual book like 50 times. (laughs) So I'm going to have to reread that before that comes out. But uh, other than that, uh, we are not going to be doing another shot again. We're going to take a little break for a little while. Um, Just not drinking anything, anything really at all. So we will bring it back when it's eventually. uh, Eventually. Yeah. I think it might be time to jump into our flesh and potatoes of our killer thrillers with Pacific Heights from 1990 and Mr. Frost from 1990. Ready to go ahead and do that. Right. Strange, very strange, Roger. The shape of your head is. The- <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Christina did the work on this one, so why don't you kick it off? Oh, oh and tell them where they can find to watch this first. Oh, you can watch Pacific Heights on Tubi, Peacock, or Voodoo. Perfect. Okay, so Pacific Heights was released September 28th, 1990. A couple work hard to renovate their dream house and become landlords to pay for it. Unfortunately, one of their tenants has plans of, the, of his own. <gasps> Tagline. They wanted a tenant in the worst way, and that's what they got. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, it is horrible. All right. Directed by Oscar winner, John... Schlesinger. Schlesinger. There you go. Okay, good. Uh, he, for and he won the Oscar for Midnight Cowboy from 1969. That's right. And was Oscar nominated for Darling from 65, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Sunday, Bloody. Oh, sorry. That hurt. Sorry. He, came, he gained acclaim for his Hollywood films, The Day of the Lo- Locust from 1975 mm-hmm. and Marathon Man from 1976. He liked to do a lot of thrillers. Okay. Writer is Daniel Pine did a shit ton of Miami Vice episodes, the Miami Vice from the 80s. Can't yeah. Forget about that reboot. Um, the Sum of All Fears from 2002, Where's Marlowe from 1998, and Fractured from 2007, starring Melanie Griffith, who plays Patty. She was in Cherry 2000 from 87, Working Girl from 88, Crazy in Alabama from 99, The Disaster Artist from 2017. I forgot she was in yeah, that. She hasn't been in anything much since. She never really was in anything. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she, I hadn't seen her in a while. I, she's a Nepo baby, and then plus she was married to Antonio Banderas. Yeah, so you know that her acting That's skills why, are terrible. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I liked her in Cherry 2000, but she I... She acts the same in every single movie. Pretty much, yeah. It's kind of like a Keanu Reeves, but like Keanu Reeves is a better actor, I think. <laughs> yeah. We have Matthew Modane, who plays Drake. Uh, he was in Full Metal Jacket, The Dark Knight Rises, 47 Meters Down. He was in Stranger Things. He was that doctor. He was in Weeds, and he Ooh. was in Oppenheimer. Right. We have Michael Keaton, who plays Carter. And he is Batman. He is Beetlejuice. Oh, he's he Papa. Is... I forgot. I should have thought about that. He's Papa. Eleven's Papa. Oh, yeah. He's the, yeah, he's the doctor. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about Matthew Modine. Yeah, Matthew Modine. Yeah. Now I'm talking about Michael Keaton because he plays Carter. Uh-huh. He's Batman. He's Beetlejuice. He's Birdman. He's the founder. Oh. Okay. We have Lord- That's all he's ever done, too. Nothing else. No Mr. Mom. No. Those don't count. Yes, they do. No, they don't. They're dumb. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Lori Metcalf, who plays Stephanie McDonald, the lawyer. She is Jackie on Roseanne. She was also in Later Bird. Don't forget she was in Scream 2. And she's the voice of, I forget, from Toy Story. <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> oh, God. All right. We also have uh, Carl Lumpley. Lumley. Carl Lumley, who plays the Lieutenant Lou Baker, who was August on the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, Augusta. Oh. Augusti? I don't know how you spelled it. You spelled it weird. What was his name in the show? It says Augusti in the fall okay. of House of Usher. Who was Augusti in the fall of the House of Usher, which we just watched and we liked it a lot. Yeah, we really did. We should have talked about that in the intro a little bit. Yeah. 
Uh, he was also in Doctor Sleep, A Cure for Wellness. He was he's been in so many movies, like I couldn't even yeah. get through them all. It was like over two hundred or something. Yeah, the budget on this film was eighteen million dollars. Uh, the gross was about thirty million, and opening weekend it made six million. Huh. So that's kind yeah, of a bomb. not great, but not bad. Right. And what did you, and what did you think about this film? Alex. Well, uh, I thought that we were supposed to talk into the microphone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I actually know this film. I remember watching it many, many years ago. You know, I was a Michael Keaton fan growing up because of Mr. Mom and all these other comedies and stuff. I think he was in like Multiplicity later on, too. And like. And this came out right after Batman. Was it after Batman? Oh, yeah, because yeah, it was 89. 89 yeah. So I was a big fan of him, obviously. So I was kind of curious to see what it was like to see him as this dark character. You know, they got John Lithgow, who played a serial killer multiple times, you know, in Raising Kane and also in Dexter. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you kind of like to see. And, you know, seeing Michael Keaton as this like killer guy or this bad guy is an interesting thing that makes you want to see this movie. Now, execution wise, Keaton's the man. He's really good in this. Uh, I think he's really charming. He needs to be really charming and he also needs to be really like threatening and also slimy and makes you want to hate him. So he does all those three things. Great. The thing I didn't like in this movie is Melanie Griffith. I'll be honest. Like she, I don't like, I liked her at the tail end of the movie more than anything, but I was kind of hoping she would die mm -hmm. because she, I don't know what it was, but this role, she just kind of dials it in. Yep. And it's like, I know that she can act better than that because I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I haven't seen Cherry 3000 in a while. I love that movie. I love the story of that. It's kind of like one of those like movies that I've always like just watched over and over and over I again. I don't remember her even doing anything in that movie. It's uh it's not a bad movie. It's pretty good. She's not great. You don't believe the love interest in it at all, but I think she's just I don't know. I might be a little bit harsh here, but I just don't think she's that great of an actress and it kind of bothered me. Matthew Modine does probably a decent job. You know, he's going off the hinge of this like tenant who's like not leaving his house. It makes you angry. You know, it makes you angry to watch it a little bit and like how they're going to get him back or if they're going to get him back and who dies and who doesn't. And so there's a there's a moderate level of thrill here, but it doesn't really break the mold other than start the mold, which is an eviction story which I don't think there was many out at the time or had been out. There was another movie by Brian De Palma called The Tenant, which a lot of people are comparing it to. Um, that kind of makes sense. And it's weird. I just saw another movie that they were comparing The Tenant thing to. And I think it was the Spider, uh, uh, the Labyrinth, Spider Labyrinth movie that I just watched. They were talking about that movie, Brian De Palma, too, as well as some of the interest in uh, what? You say t The Tenant, and I was thinking of Tenant. Oh, no, no. The Tenant. <laughs> Uh, it's an older film, I guess, and, and they do this like scene where they shoot across. He like uses a camera, and he's like looking at the neighbor's house in another building across in the city, and he sees himself, and it's like this thriller movie. where Remember that other movie where that girl saw that guy across the way, and everybody kept comparing it to the Brian De Palma film, where she's like, there's a killer on the other side of the house, and then they end up like calling the police on each other, and like... She goes over there to investigate why he's like doing this stuff. And then like it's like a murder mystery. Anyway, it has some appeal to it like that. But I wouldn't say no anywhere near as good as those films. Um, but it is a decent watch. You know, it's an older film that if you want to see an old Michael Keaton film being kind of bad guy, you know, he's done a few in his day. You know, he did the fucking 
Vulture, what, what was he? The where he's the got the wings or whatever. He was in the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. Remember? Oh no, I don't. Oh uh, okay. Well, anyway, he's played a couple of bad guys, but yeah. Overall, though, it's not that great. It's it's a competent film, but it hasn't aged well for me. Like I remember liking it a whole lot back in the day. I've just seen so many better films since then that are a little bit more thrilling. But back then, this was a pretty decent film. Uh, I would probably give it like a six point five, maybe a seven at most. Um, out of 10, you know, it's uh-huh. it for its time. I'm sure it was much better for some people. It's not going to hit for everybody, but I don't mind owning it. I'm glad I own it. I think we picked it up on DVD for like a buck mm-hmm. or 50 cents even actually. Now that I think of it, but oh yeah, yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, Hey, maybe we can mix it together with some other fucking movie where it's like a guy that's usually doing comedy that, you know, might be good. And that's why we picked Mr. Frost mm-hmm. for this as well. So, right. But yeah, I would give it a 6.5 out of 10. Christina, what do you think? I think it's a 5 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you really didn't like it at all? Well, I thought it was the money pit meets attempted murder. And it's attempted murder because really nobody was murdered (laughs) in the whole movie. Oh, Money Pit's a great movie, though. Yeah, it is a good movie. It's kind of like that. I was just in terms of the couple trying to fix up this house, which the true horror of the movie is that this couple bought this house in the middle of San Francisco for $720,000. Like, what the fuck is that? So I did did some Zillow. How much? $720,000. Seven hundred. Yeah, that's right. We did. You did Seven hundred twenty. And then I went on Zillow today, and I was like, "Huh, I'm gonna look up this Pacific Heights neighborhood." And I did, and that was stupid because all those houses are between eight million and thirty-two million. Holy eight shit. million being on the low end, and that's just the houses. That's that's not the from nineteen ninety. Yeah, seven hundred and twenty thousand. That's like thirty times the. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe the 32 million. There was like three listed for 32 million. The condos. Now the condos, which are, uh, which look like converted out of those houses. They converted some to of them apartments into like, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And those were, all of them were like 2 million, 1.5 million, 2 million, like that kind of shit. Yeah. Those are so the kind small. of houses they do those in. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like what they do in England. Right. You know, because it's just too expensive. Yeah, it was too big. Nobody wants big houses like that. Well, yeah, you can't afford them anyway. Yeah, exactly. Okay, anyway, sorry. Um, But Matthew Modine, who plays the boyfriend, his acting when he's like freaking out is so funny to me. It it wasn't that great. Yeah. I mean, it was better than her. She was. Yeah, well, she was, like you said, she was just dialing in, she was just playing herself. Like, she was just there. She was just there to fill the part of the girlfriend. You know, she was sad. just there. Yeah. It's sad because I remember her fondly, but I, for some reason, it's been so long since I've seen her. Yeah, it, that's what I was thinking, too. But then I was, like, looking through her filmography, and she really hasn't done that much. Vanity of the Bonfires. Bonfires of the Vanity or some shit like that, didn't she do? I don't know. It was around the same time as this, so... But Michael Keaton, well, so Michael Keaton's playing Bruce Wayne in this, but he's a scammer and he likes to scam landlords, you know, so he's, he's just, really charming in it. He's just evil Bruce Wayne. That's all it is. He's scammy. It is. Yeah, we noticed he's, that. Yeah. Yeah. He's scammy Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he's you're not right. even like evil. He's just a scammer. <laughs> he definitely has the charm of the Batman and Batman. Right. And, but it's the the evil side is definitely something new. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but the story was, you know, it was OK. Um. Even though I could see this getting a remake, I could see them doing this now because you hear about all those, the California laws about squatters and stuff and how 
the yeah. landlords um, have a hard time getting people people out of their places or whatever. People got smart, yeah. But the there was some cool cinematography in this that I like. There's sure. some cool shots, and then I like the cityscapes. Yeah, it's a well shot film for sure. Yeah, totally. And the music's decent. Like the score and everything goes with it. I mean, I'll probably never watch it again, but I'd give it a five out of ten. I'll watch it again when I think about it, just because I like I like going into the that that. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, what did this actor, this comedic actor do that was like scary? Right. You know, Raising Cain isn't a great movie either, but right. I'll watch it again just because it's one of those odd niche things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's not a, it's not a fantastic movie. If I give it a 6.5, then it is, and she gave it a five, then that is a 5.75. Right. So between the two of us, uh, I think, I think you're safe to watch it at least once. Mm-hmm. If you're curious about it and you like Michael Keaton, I would give definitely watch it right. just to give it a shot. You might like it more than us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, you'll see what we're talking about when we talk about Melanie Griffith. And I, you know, no, no hate towards her. It just she just I don't know. It's just like I think women have just done so much better roles than her. Like I, she it, it's the name. She probably never she, mind. I don't want to assume. Yeah, well, it's it's just I think they were just kind of filling her in for you know a pretty face or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's or, the kind of actress make her, she is. They wanted to make her unass like unassuming or like you know, mm-hmm. she just has a weird delivery on things. It's almost like she's not there. She's like a thinker, like before she speaks. Right. She does these pauses and every single every single thing she's acted. It, it in. comes across as amateur. <laughs> it's like what are my lines? Yeah, and then, I don't know. They like zoom in on her face. Oh, yeah, my lines. Well, she was in that movie Body Double back in the day, which made her like kind of like a hot ticket item back in like 1986, I think it was, or 85. I always get her in, uh, uh, who, Kim, Kim Bassett? Kim, Kim Basinger. Yeah, Basinger. That's <laughs> Bassett. Bassinger. <laughs> yeah, I get them confused. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they were kind of around the same thing. I think Kim Basinger is a way better actress. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, but then she had to get stupid and marry Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, and he just shoots people, so it's like. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's terrible. That's tackless. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. It's sad to think about, you know, because it's like I liked Alec Baldwin. You know, he was kind of on a high there for a little bit, you know, and then when that happened, everybody's like, "What the fuck?" And now he's been charged. Again, it keeps going back and forth. It's so weird. Is it back and forth? Did they appeal yeah, it or something? Yeah, I don't know. I don't the know air, what's going on. I think it's the like damage is already and they done. Charge it and they drop it and they charge it and they drop it and they charge it. Right. It's the damage is already done because like, I don't know. You look at like, and I hate to say this, you know, like, but like, what's his name? Got off recently. Um, Spacey. Kevin Spacey got off recently, but there's just a bad taste in my mouth about that whole situation. Well, because the, the victim died. Right. I feel, I feel a little it's more weird. more uh, lenient towards Alec Baldwin than I do Kevin Spacey. But like one of our uh, our companies out here that does all the like the uh, horror conventions, the horror convention or whatever, decided to have Kevin Spacey be one of their things as long along with the Osbournes, the Osbournes which weird to be honest, like Osbournes makes more sense than Kevin Spacey. But like, I don't know, man, that he's trying that to was make- a weird. That's a that's a bold move, Cotton. Like, he, he's trying to make money, and it's just weird that they were hire him. Like, who's yeah. gonna go? Who's gonna go get an autograph with him? Like, well, he's trying to reclaim his fame, of course. You know, like anybody would. You know. Yeah. So to, let's go to a, a horror movie convention. I know it's so weird. I don't know, man. Like, I just don't want to touch it now. 
it just doesn't interest me. You know what I mean? So, and it's not like I'm just trying to judge the guy, but it just, it's just that weird. That's why I say the damage is already done. So it's just like one of those things. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. You know, I know we derail sometimes. So we got the spoiler section for Pacific Heights, which will do all the like kind of like what our thoughts are. So if you don't want anything spoiled, you can actually watch this uh, as a reminder on Tubi, Peacock and Voodoo. I'm sure there's probably a copy somewhere that you can watch for free. It's not, I can't imagine this is like a hot rental or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but uh, if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So the screenwriter, Daniel Pine, once rented an apartment to a tenant that he could not evict. And that's how this oh, idea. scenario idea came into his head. Like, oh, that could have gone so much worse. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, I don't think it was as bad as this. Like, obviously. Oh, obviously. They didn't have to kill their tenant. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, but yeah, we're already here. Uh, but this was the last Morgan Creek production. You remember that old Morgan Creek sign? Oh, it was yeah, like I the remember. black and white sign with the river. This is the last one? This is the last one until huh. 20th Century Fox, now 20th Century Studios, before Warner Brothers took over as their distributor. Hmm. So uh, in the original script, Carter Michael Keaton played was a bisexual man who sexually threatens Drake, actually. Oh. And I guess they, they changed it to Patty. Okay. But she was really offish to him. Right. So I wonder if that was supposed to be his character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the wife was supposed to go crazy. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, but they that switch... would have been weird because the, the husband is the one who would have been responsible. Yeah, but they might have changed a few things and kept the dialogue the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, because she was very offish. She was like, there was no, like, sexual tension between the two of them. Right. Like, they made that very apparent in the beginning. And I thought it was usually, and I think that's probably why they chose to do it that way in this movie, is that in other movies, they typically do mm -hmm. lure the woman into that. But this was, like, a probably a feminist movement time, probably in the early 90s. So, yeah. Right. Um. Anyway, Christopher Reeve was supposed to play that part of Michael Keaton's part, Carter. He tried to lobby for it like hard. Really? It, yeah. He tried to like bother Schlesinger personally for like the role. Hmm. And he said no. So uh, I think I could see him playing that. Um, yeah. I, I guess I could see that. But I guess they just he just didn't want to do it. It's you want to know why? Hmm. Because he has such a uh, what's it called when you play a Superman. Role. Well, yes, sir, but he's stereotyped, I bet. Well, that's exactly he why he probably wanted yeah, it. He, yeah, he can't play certain roles because, you know, if you saw him play the bad guy, like, sometimes you just can't. Yeah, he's Clark Kent. Can't right. take the Clark just Kent like out of him. Just like Stewart. I can't see her, at, you know, I can only see her in Twilight. I don't know, her... though, because, like, he was Batman, too, so they both were both superheroes. No, but he was just, bat like, it, what he hadn't done, like, movie, movie, right. movie. Right, fair enough. Years. He was, like, barely Batman. That's fair. For, like, uh, less than a year still he was a comedian and you know there was a lot of comedy that he had done before that so mm -hmm. you know beetlejuice was about the only thing that was ever dark that he did mm -hmm. so anyway during a talk at the new york film academy matthew modine said that he did not like working with melanie griffith on this film and that he mostly remembers her complaining about having her period. <laughs> it's like working with me. That's pretty fucking detailed. Jesus Christ, Matthew. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just she kept fucking talking about her fucking period, man. You know, it sucks. He seems like a like a nice guy. I don't know. I can't imagine him saying, "Yeah, that bitch was talking about her fucking period." Like, <laughs> maybe it was something else, and he just said that. Yeah, it seems weird. 
Uh, now this is a cycle of uh, thrillers that they were going on at this time because like there's a ton of them that were popping up in the 90s because you know this is pre-Scream, right? Oh yeah, like totally. This is what was popular at the time. They had movies, and I almost inc- I almost thought about doing one of these, by the way. Um, and it's speaking of Alec Baldwin, by the way. <laughs> but there's some of the films was Malice, which was the movie I was thinking about doing with this one. Oh, because he plays a doctor, and he has that line in the movie where he's like, "They're like, you have a fucking god complex. I don't have a god complex. I am God." That's what he says. And I was like, oh, that would have been perfect for you. <laughs> right. We should have done Malice and Mr. Frost back to back. And that would have been like the double feature to make double features. You know right. what I mean? The ultimate double feature. Right. Um, he also had Deceived from 91, Shattered in 91, Mortal Thoughts in 91, Consenting Adults in 92, Unlawful Entry in <laughs> 92, Presumed Innocent in 90, Guilty of Sin in 93, Sleeping with the Enemy, which is really popular, 1991, and then A Kiss Before Dying 91 as well. Mm-hmm. This movie in particular was notable for having a story element, like I said, with Roman Polanski's. I said uh, De Palma before, but it's Roman Polanski, just to correct that. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I got mixed up. It happens, guys. When you do a podcast and you're talking too fucking much, that's what happens. Okay, so <laughs> suck a dick. <laughs> Josh and I were talking about that last time on the thing, so on his podcast. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also forgot to mention the mom from Christmas Vacation was in this movie. Oh, yeah. She was, she was like briefly in the movie and she was naked. Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah. Beverly D'Angelo was in this. Yeah. And it's so weird because she didn't get a credit in it, which probably means she didn't get paid for it. She probably did it as a favor to slushing her. And she was naked. Yeah, she like, was in the, the very fuck? beginning of the movie, too. I was like, that's a Beverly D'Angelo ditty. <laughs> Oh I was like, this movie's going to be good. <laughs> You're out of control. And it just rolled over like a pancake batter. <laughs> that, that's how you know they're real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. Yeah, so I forgot to mention her because she wasn't on the credit. She didn't get credited for it, so... That's terrible. I can't believe I just said I can't that. believe you said that. She just laughs at me. I thought she was going to give me a bunch of shit for that. You're supposed no, to. No, it was funny. You're supposed to catch me. Well, it's because <laughs> I um I I replied with a joke. Yeah. What was good about this film? I kept focusing. Okay. It got really right into it with the house and then buying the house. And then I really got into the rent prices and the rent they were going to charge the tenants. Yeah. And them interviewing the tenants and then them asking for a credit check and being very firm about, um, you know, credit checks and stuff. Right. Like they, and that, that was about the time when it, it was becoming the norm. Like the credit bureaus were. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you looked that up because like they didn't do that before. Yeah, it was like 86, 87 is really, they started pushing the credit they would, stuff. They would do references, but they wouldn't do. Yeah, they wouldn't run your credit. Right. So, of course, the one tenant application that they had it, that he didn't run the fucking credit mm-hmm. is the one that screwed him over. Right, yeah. And then it turns into a, like even further like, oh, you're using your white privilege on me. Is that what? <laughs> Remember it? Because the, the Carter guy wasn't supposed to move into that place. It was supposed to be the detective that you find out later right and, he and he's like oh so i guess you should have given the black guy a fucking room instead of that guy huh his apple that guy's application got lost and then the uh, you know bruce wayne just kind of pushed himself you know through and he just moved himself in but he had like, nothing no to do with that either anything. too so yeah he just moved in the 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 uh detective the chief of police was like he could have mentioned that to her. Wouldn't you have told the person that you're going to move into that you work for the police? 
Well, maybe he didn't for a reason. Because maybe he wanted to see if they were oh, gonna, going to treat him equally. That's a fair point. Because of uh, equal housing. That's that's a fair point. But, you know, it is San Francisco, so I would think they're a little bit more forward thinking. And they even interviewed a gay couple. In right. The, in I remember the, uh, that. Yeah. They're like, can we like, turn oh. it? <laughs> this is a funny part, too, because he was like, they were like, uh, well, yeah, if you want to change it to another color, I mean, what color were you thinking? They were like, black. Because <laughs> they were goth. <laughs> I was like, hey, I played at a club in uh, San Francisco with black ops right there. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, and the rent. Okay, so the rent. I'm going to tell you guys the rent. They were going to charge the tenants because they had two. They had two rooms. One was bigger than the other. The first room they rented out in 1990 for thirteen hundred dollars, which I thought was ridiculous, with a two thousand dollars security deposit. So thirteen hundred dollars with a two thousand dollars security deposit. Mm-hmm. The second room, Bruce Wayne's room, they rented out for a thousand dollars a month with a fifteen hundred dollar deposit. Right. It's crazy to me. So weird. Wouldn't you like think it's just a little weird that a guy pulls up on a fucking Porsche 911? Yeah. And then just like acts like he's hot shit all over the fucking place. Why would he live there yeah. in that small little place if he's so rich? You yeah, know what I mean? You would own. You would own something. That's right. Yeah. He tried to downplay himself how rich he was, but also he wasn't. So he was like, oh, I can give you any cash or part of him cash now and then the rest later or. Right. You know, I can just he wire was, it to you if you want. He was just being charming. And that was the crux of the issue. Like, he's already in there. And I, I love how they're just destroying shit with that other guy in there. Who mm-hmm. was that guy from? Oh, from Fire of the Sky. Yes, he was the guy that got taken up. And I didn't even recognize him until, he was the brother. until yeah. Melanie Griffith. Uh, it was it was at night and he was walking down the street and she almost hit him with his car. So the lights were shining on him. And I was right. like, Fire of the Sky. Yeah, you feel like he's going to scurry under a table or something like that. <laughs> he's going to get sucked up into right. the You know what the, I'm talking about when he's in that party scene when they welcome yeah, back. Yeah. And then he hides under the table because he's scared of everybody right. that's what he looked like yeah. with the car light that's how i recognized him <laughs> you're like oh i remember that face and this was before the movie too this is five years before so that's, that's kind of hilarious funny. I'm trying to think of like one of my favorite parts i think the movie really starts to kick into like action like when you it makes you feel good is when melanie's character gets the leg up on him but it's such a stupid way. She goes to see Beverly D'Angelo, who apparently was lying for him when she called for her as application or his his uh, references or whatever. And she Which was doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because in the very beginning of the movie, he gets the shit kicked out of him by two guys, and like she's there. Like that's how we see him. Right. And it's like, okay, well, what happened there? So I guess he ran this this thing before, and it, it didn't work. He got. Ki- Punched in the stomach, so he he got smarter about it and tried to decide when he would leave, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or find an easier target, I guess. Something. But I guess there's this whole story, this background story with Carter and his brother. And I don't know if his brother was alive or dead or something, but they, like, diso- Wait, disowned yeah, they, him from the family. And they were rich. They had, like, old money. So it was, like, inherited and he had a trust, but they locked him out of the trust because he was doing all this bad stuff. Yeah, he was a bad kid. Yeah. It just looks like an, an, you know, Nepo baby bullshit. Pretty much. <laughs> hey, it's a movie about a Nepo baby with a Nepo baby in it. So then he's taking the names of the last people he ripped off or whatever or killed. That was his loose, and, like, that's his loose end. Yeah. Is that he uses the name of the people he fucked over before as their new ID because he steals their IDs and stuff while they're asleep. And, like, steals all their information and shit while they're busy trying to get him out of the house. Which is exactly what he did to, you know, Matthew Mo- Moline. Modine. Modine. <laughs> Drake. But yeah, he gets him arrested 
you know, because he just pushes him to the point where he, you know, he ends up getting his arrested. So then he just steals all his identity. Yeah. See, he does something in the movie that I thought was kind of interesting. And he turns off his heat and electricity down there mm-hmm. in the basement. And I'm like, well, he can always just go down there and turn it back yeah, on. Yeah, turn it back on, dummy. <laughs> I mean, that's the stupid thing to me. But no, he, he, and he knew he was going to do that. So instead, that's why he called the police. He called the police on the landlord. Right. Because you're you're legally not supposed to do that. Right. Because like he's making all this noise at two o'clock in the morning and he's like, they're like, shut it off, shut it off. Because they have other neighbors that they rent to, too. This like Asian couple mm-hmm. uh, that end up moving out. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, God damn it. Yeah, because also uh, Bruce Wayne infested. <laughs> The, <laughs> he tries the to make floor. a bat cave in the in the floor yeah, like, with rats and so there's roaches and rats all over the place yeah. it's so weird uh, <laughs> I, I love how he just like takes his car apart in the garage for no reason which is like i don't just so weird i guess that's just like his partner in crime that guy mm-hmm. and then he just goes ape shit and tries to kill melanie griffith with a fucking uh, with a uh, nail gun which by the way uh for those buzzkill guys over there who always talk about fucking little things in movies like that um they always talk about how people use the nail gun in improperly uh-huh. <laughs> and how you have to put the safety down first uh-huh. this movie actually used the safety oh and it, it's a it's a faulty uh hair like a faulty fucking nail gun mm-hmm. because he puts it against her head and pulls the trigger and it and it, you hear the gas doesn't come out Oh, so it's not enough to put the nail into her forehead and she gets away mm-hmm. and then she trips him. The guy, gra- he grabs Matthew Modine after getting his arm literally fucking just broken in like 15 places with a fucking uh, what was it, a golf club or whatever. Yeah, I think so. He gar- grabs his leg. She ch- pushes him and he's like, oh, 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 oh. And he falls on two spy, uh, two of the uh, pipes that are sticking up out of the ground where the toilet was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then he died. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty terrible death scene. You know, back there. then when when the eviction thing, when he turned off the like the heat and the and the uh, electricity, you would think that that was like a smart move, like back then, because mm-hmm. people didn't know shit about fucking rights of you know tenants and stuff like that. Right. Well, so. he, well, they did as landlords. They didn't know what they could and could not do. Right. Well, which nobody is not would. A no, good I'm saying thing. even back then, most people wouldn't. You know. Right. Well, no, because obviously Bruce Wayne knew because he was taking advantage yeah. of this the laws, so he knew. Yeah. Well, he should have gone to his back cave, anyways. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it, it's fun. I, there were some kind of moments in there really pissing me off with her. I don't know why. It's just like her attitude, like nonchalant. Well, they try to play on her attitude in it real quick. I just want to mention this. They try to play on her attitude, like her offishness to Carter as a, a basic instinct, I guess. <laughs> Speaking uh, of thrillers. Um, she, uh, they wanted to kind of make her out to be like she smelled trouble long before it was trouble kind of thing. I didn't understand that at That's all. what they were doing. And Matthew and Dean was the dumb one kind of thing because he overlooked it because he was looking for money so bad. Mm-hmm. So it was like they're, they're, he was kind of preying on their weaknesses and like knew it. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, we do have another movie that we're going to talk about, and that, and that is Mr. Frost, which was also titled The Deadly Mr. Frost, which I actually thank you very much, Resolution 67, for donating this. He actually had like a, a region DVD that he sent to us that's from Finland or in that area, 
And that's why they called it the Deadly Mr. Frost. But it's actually Mr. Frost, M-I-S-T-E-R, even though they put Mr. M-R dot on the fucking box. So it's really confusing. Well, English is confusing. (laughs) I guess. So Mr. Frost is about a killer who was arrested and committed for murder after he is apprehended burying his victims in the garden. However, even while under psychiatric care and tight hospital security, it becomes obvious that Mr. Frost is not all he seems to be, but much, much more dangerous, much more evil. Anyway, some of of the taglines are, He hasn't spoken a word in two years. No one knows his identity. Officially, he doesn't exist, but 24 corpses do. What? <laughs> no one knows his identity. That's what they're saying. But twenty-four. Oh, okay, corpses that's are... true. That's true. The he... it was two years later because it takes two years later. I'll explain it later. Okay. So you forgot. I guarantee you forgot about it. No, the beginning I... of the movie, it's like the thing happens, and then it, yeah, fa- it says it on the screen two years the... later, and then yeah. yeah, it goes two years later to the asylum. Right. Anyway, the other tagline is "Call evil by its proper name." This is a French British film. Uh, by director and writer Philippe Setbon, who is a French filmmaker, much more of a writer than a director, actually. He uh, only directed uh, a couple of big films called Cross and Andé du Feu, which we also have a couple of uh, other writers who helped out with this. They really have no other credits other than Terry Hall was also a composer and an actor, and he only wrote this. And then Brad Lynch, same thing. Only credit I see on here is that he had a a camera and electrical credit on this TV series called Ultimate Rush. But Mm. this is his writing credit. I guess he just was friends of them. And they they were like, hey, we'll just put you if you can help me out, I'll put your name on the thing. Oh, And he probably paid him because that's the deal. If you're going to be on the in the credits, you have to be paid. Mm-hmm. SAG-AFTRA. Right. Um, this is obviously starring Jeff Goldblum, who plays Mr. Frost. He was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Fly Remake, Jurassic Park, The Sentinel, and Hideaway, which is another movie that he acts a little different. He's not oh. a serial killer or anything like that in that movie. He's just, I think he gets into an accident and he can see, he starts having visions. It's called Hideaway. I have it, actually. We should watch it. It's uh, digital. I actually got a free copy of it a long time ago. Uh, This is also starring Alan Bates, who is playing the Inspector Detweiler. He was in The Mothman Prophecies, Gosford Park, the Ray Bradbury Theater TV show. We also have Kathy Baker, who plays Dr. Sarah Day. She was in Picket Fences, Orphan Black, which the Echoes uh, season, I guess. She also did uh, She Also did Machine Gun Preacher. Grey's Anatomy, and more. Edward Scissorhands. Was it Edward Scissorhands? I didn't see it. Yes, she was the neighbor in Edward Scissorhands. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't go back far enough. I guess not. I remember she she was the haircutter, the one that was like really into him? Yeah, Okay. that one with the poodle. Right. Uh, we also have Francois Negret, who plays Christopher. He was in Sound and Fury and The Exterminating Angels and Bad Blood. We also have Daniel Gellin, who plays Simone who is the man who knew too much. He was in that Hitchcock film. He's the, uh, I guess, the housemate of uh, Detweiler in the movie with the dog. Oh. But yeah, um, I don't know. They didn't give how much was this movie was made for, but uh, I would be curious to know. Mm-hmm. Christina, what did you think of this film? Jeff Goldblum as a mind-reading serial killer is awesome. Okay. 
Why didn't he do more movies like this? What's this hideaway movie? Um, he's done a couple of darker films. I think one of his first roles was actually in Death Wish. Oh, I he was know. a biker bad guy in that movie. I always think of him as in is it wasn't he in Earth Girls Are Easy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of comedies at this time when when this yeah. movie came out, and a lot of people slammed this movie because of that. Oh, that's weird because he's so good in this. He's the only good thing in this. <laughs> right, it's amazing actually. Yeah. Um. So he gets caught and he gets put. Okay, something I didn't understand. So he got he got caught. There's we're, like we're not okay, in the spoilers. So. I know. There were some things in the, this movie that I did not understand. I don't about like the prison system mm-hmm. because he gets caught and he gets put in a prison or an asylum or something. And then there's like security guards, but it's not really security. Guard. I don't know. It was just really weird to me. And it just really, it really uh, stuck out to me. But yeah, the story was okay. It wasn't anything like it was Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> like almost, you okay. know what I mean? Um but I felt like it had a lot of filler characters. They had this brother, the doctor, the female doctor. She had this brother, which was a total just fill-in character. And then this kid named Christopher, who I didn't know if he was a patient or if he was a prisoner because I don't understand. It's a hospital. They don't do it anymore. At. That's why. Okay. I just didn't understand. And the one other complaint I have about this film is they had one scene, the scene of scenes. That involved a dog, okay? Oh God! And that just ruins it for me. It didn't even. But they didn't even show it happening. They just did an after thing. It looked real when they panned over to it. Well, just so you guys know, it doesn't happen in camera. You just see it laying on the ground later on. I didn't like it. I didn't like that part, especially like we'll talk about it in the thing. But I just didn't like it. I have but, no problem with people who don't well, like that, but uh, I just want to make sure it's clear so that they can make a choice for themselves. Okay. Well, Jeff Goldblum's performance you know, overpowered that. So I will give it a six out of 10. Okay. 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 What about you? I really like this film. I, uh, I, it's obviously rough around the edges a little bit in some areas, but ultimately I was really kind of surprised and very engaged. Um, Jeff Goldblum is awesome in this movie. The total feel of it kind of feels like a TV movie in a lot of ways. It does feel like a TV movie, but his performance in general just really shines in this movie. And I think, Unfortunately, I'm not saying that the director who did this movie is a bad movie, but the the copy we saw really doesn't ha- didn't have the best sound quality. And this is the best it gets, by the way, guys. This, they haven't even redone this film and like re put it up on anything. You can't even really find the movie. Right, it's online, only in Finland. Right? It's only yeah. in Finland that they actually sold it, and, and maybe VHS. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those ones that just got a DVD release in another country, but not here. You know, so that's the copy we get, which looks like a VHS transfer to DVD, mm-hmm. literally. And I bet it was. Maybe it there's probably just, was. You know, it's because you could see it flickering at the top. Oh, yeah, totally. So um, it was even really grainy with the up converter. Right. Which, you know, I mean, whatever. I still was able to get into the film. But right. Even even still with all of that working against it. It just gave it this sort of vibe that's like a TV movie or whatever. So It gave you this vibe that takes you back to your childhood when all movies look like that. Yeah, in a way, true. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I did not like a lot of the characters in the film, but there is one lady in the film, the, the Kathy Baker lady who plays Dr. Day. Mm-hmm. She bounces off him relatively well, and I think it's sufficient enough. It's not the best acting I've ever seen, but you know, it's one of those things. Alan Bates in the movie who plays the Detweiler or whatever, 
he's a little weird. It it seems a little out of place. It's not that he's a bad actor or anything like that. It just I just I don't know. I think he did this role decent. It's not great. It's just decent. He just fits the part. It doesn't feel real like like a like a great role. The best role in this film is Dr. Day, who's like second place and and then all the way Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is creepy. He's very fucking uh, suave, very like charming in some ways, but also when you're you, you least expect it, he's like fucking evil as fuck. And there's like just this play. He plays with this space and in, in the movie that I think when at the time when this came out, people couldn't grasp onto like they would when they watched the Jim Carrey movie where he played a serious role, the eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. People were like, what the fuck? This is so vastly different than anything that I've seen him in. So it was hard for people to really get into it. A lot of people, like you were saying, you know, Mm -hmm. they're so used to like Superman. Yeah, they're stereotyping. Right. So I think, uh, I think, you know, that's why this movie is a kind of an underrated gem because his role in this film is one of the best roles I think that he's done. Honestly, like genuinely, right. He is really good in this, and I would love, fucking love, to see a second take at this. Wouldn't it be cool if if they went back to Jurassic Park and then he was like, just <laughs> ki- no, he was killing people, and then he was like blaming it on the dinosaurs. Oh like, my god, oh. Christina, that's genius. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Oh my oh, god. I thought, I thought you were making fun of me. No, I'm I'm actually I mean it's I'm high as fuck, so maybe. Um, I don't know, maybe it's a bad idea. But wouldn't that, wouldn't that be cool like in the background like all these people just dying and you just assume it's the dinosaurs, but it's not. It's Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> because he's, he's fucking sick of he's the one that's, hearing you talk and he just wants you to die. He's the one that spits in the hacker's face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He comes out of the bushes all perched up on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has like a like I don't know something like a raincoat or something that opens up and he's like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! I, I would love to see an alternate world where that exists. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would never happen, but you know, right. <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea for a fucking movie. Know. You know, like because you know you see all these movies where it's like a heist and then a hurricane. You know, <laughs> it's like or there's it, sharks and then a tornado. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's Jaws, but meets, uh, tw- where was it? Twister, you know? <laughs> anyway. It's Amityville, but with dinosaurs at Jeff Goldblum and then oh the Amityville. And you could call oh, it, yes. you could call it Jurassic Amityville. Amityville Jurassic. Nick was our, our, our resident fucking friend who, uh, kind of remind us of Jeff Goldblum and Kevin Bacon. Because, mm-hmm. ah, oh, yes, his voice is like how he talks. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Jeff Goldblum sometimes, you know? Right. Very distinct. He's just weird in this movie, though, and I love it. Like, I love just how fucking weird he is. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. Like, I love, he has a really, this is a very well-acted movie for him. And it, it's hard to give this a score because he is such a shining star in this movie that the the stuff that's happening around him kind of pales in comparison. So it's like you really don't know. There's no blood. There's no crazy shit in this movie. I mean, there is a little bit of blood, 
But it's just it's this isn't a movie that is like trying to be bloody. It's a movie that's trying to be psychologically like in get in you get into it that way and mm-hmm. you're lured in by the dialogue, the the performances by him and and Day together in this movie are fairly good. Like they're really like banging it at like an eight point five for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Like there or more even. Like his role is so fucking good. But Again, the rest of it around him is like a 5.5 or a 6. Right. So it's just kind of like, it, it. I don't know if the director was the right director for this, but the soundtrack kind of works with it. It's not even that good, mm-hmm. but it worked with this in this weird way because it just has this vibe about it where something's going on and there's this ominous presence with uh, Frost. And it really is good. I can't spoil to you what is going on. Yes. I, I mean, I guess I could. I don't really think it destroys it. There's just an opening scene in this movie that, you know, he is obviously more evil than you think. And that is part of the movie. It says it on the box. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm ruining it. You know, there is an evil presence about him. And we just don't know how evil. Like the the thing that's interesting about this movie is is he the son of of, of the Satan or is he Satan himself? Is he, Satan? Is he yeah, just a crazy serial killer or like what is going on? But there's 24 bodies that are fucking. They dig up, including children. Seven children. 24 seven children. bodies and seven children. Yeah, all of them have been tortured, and he even made a videotape of it. What the fuck? And he's like, chucks it at the dude, and he's like, hey, check out my handiwork, see what you think. Give me some notes on it when I see you next. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's some seven type shit. His performance as Kevin Spacey, speaking of Kevin Spacey, <laughs> you know, obviously we have seven. So Kevin Spacey does belong in the horror, by the way, for that reason. But I just meant I didn't, well, th- yeah. I didn't think I about forgot. it. At that time. I forgot about that. It's been a long time. But yeah. How would you compare? Would you say he's uh, Mr. Frost is uh, Kevin Goldblum? Do you like his? Because I think seven's probably the better one, but it oh, is, yeah. it's almost as comparable. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I think seven in forever. I think once you see Goldblum's like crazy is evil, you're gonna really like it. I not. It's not. I'm not saying it's gonna be a ten out of ten. Okay, but it it's is worth watching just for his performance. Hundred percent. Like, and that's why I just want you to urge you to see this movie first. It's up on YouTube, by the way. I would personally give this movie like a seven point five only because of the other stuff around him. But it's it's so close to an eight for me. Like, I'm definitely going to watch this again. It's definitely better than Pacific Heights by a landslide. It is. It is better than that movie. But not as good as something like Seven. So you see what I'm saying? Like, if that gives you an idea of what to expect for this movie, hopefully that'll help you out. But highly recommend watching this. Resolution 67, good call on this one, dude. Like, I was totally eating this one up because I really liked his performance in it. And it's like, we, he and I like to find those gems that stick out that aren't perfect, but they are definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is definitely one of those underrated gems that has a weird mix. So understandable why some people didn't like it. Understandable why some people love it now. So, but yeah, I would love to hear what you guys think. Have you seen uh, Mr. Frost or, you know, is this new to you? Do you remember this movie? I barely remember it. I remember Hideaway more than I do this one. Yeah. But I think that's because it was a British production or a French-British production. Oh, it's probably more widely available. Yeah, maybe. Probably promoted better over there than it is over here. Well, yeah. Anyway, 
we do have some trivia on this one. So if you don't want anything spoiled, uh, there's multiple copies on YouTube. I looked today while I was looking for some of the interviews and stuff about this movie. <laughs> I found one interview and it was with himself. Goldblum interviewing himself with two different outfits on. That's awesome. And that's so Goldblum right there, dude. Yeah. And we liked his show. He had that show on Disney+. Mm. Plus. Yeah, I love it. Actually, it's really fucking Yeah, he's so funny. He's weird. Because he's so eclectic. He That's the thing about him, right? He like he rides that line between weird and like nice and charming. Yeah. So that's why it's like you don't know what to expect from him. But right. Anyway, if you'd like to check it out first, go ahead and do that. We'll be here when you get back. But if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So there wasn't a lot of trivia on this, but I did kind of dig a little bit more. Some of that interview with himself that kind of gave me a couple of clues and like there really wasn't much talk about this. I mean, I see a lot of reviews of it up, mm-hmm. so that's good to know. Um, but Roger and Ebert, speaking of, of reviewers, they didn't like it. They gave it well, a, obviously. I think it was just Roger gave it a two stars. Uh huh. I think they only did four, right? It was like four star system. You mean Siskberg and Ebert? Robert, Roger and Ebert. Oh, Roger. Yeah, Roger Ebert. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cisco Ebert, but no, Roger Ebert. Sorry, I got confused there. I'm, I'm a little buzzed. So. No, you're fine because I really liked them, especially growing up. And it's it's like no nobody knows. I that never anymore, agreed with you know? any of them. So I, I don't know, even I know. I love their banter. I love it when they didn't agree. That's the funny thing. I don't think anybody ever agreed with their shit. <laughs> Right. But they, no, but they were both so different. I mean, it was rare when they agreed with each that's other. True. So that's why their show was so good is because they would argue about it and t- call each other idiots and shit. You know. Right. But anyway, sorry. It's just no like you know nobody but our generation knows that. Well, you know, he had those books too. I remember my friend. Yeah. My friend bought all the Ebert books, mm-hmm. and I went through a, a couple of them just to see what movies he had watched. Because mm-hmm. one of our friends, one of our writers actually on our on the website that we had for a while there eric mifford who's also a writer of books does reviews for movies like the short versions you know what i mean so he does he prints books that people buy that tell them what movies to watch so that they can go through and this is like a a thing that's not really extremely popular but anymore but no it's actually very he does pretty well for himself oh that's good um, I think he deserves more because he's done other stuff like poems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you guys get a chance, check out Eric Mifford. He's got some like dark poetry and shit like that, as well as like dark stories, like short stories. And he also does the reviews and stuff. This is one of the he's got like one of the larger collections I know uh, in of all the friends I have. Like, oh, I think he has right. like seven or eight thousand movies. Mm-hmm. So and he's like watching a, at least three movies a day. Jeez. This guy's a powerhouse, but you know, he, he, he's a short form kind of guy. He doesn't like mm-hmm. the long form, but what was I saying? We were talking about the trivia. Yeah. I just remember that it. book and I remember looking up brain dead at the time because oh, I was a big Peter obsessed. Jackson film, you know, lover. So oh, he hated it, didn't he? I don't think he liked it too much. And I think he had that one or, and I think there was another one he did. The other one, the other comedy one where the aliens come. Yeah. I don't think he liked movies like that. Well, that's you know? what I'm saying. I never Subjective. agreed with any of his fucking right. reviews. Barely ever. Probably right. like 2% of the time. You know right. what I mean? Um, but I guess it was just a popular thing. So Jeff Goldblum was actually born in uh, 1952. So he's not as old. So he's a boomer. Yeah, he is technically, <laughs> but he's like a more open boomer than anybody. <laughs> 
Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was one of his hometown. He was one of four children. Uh, he's uh, been a radio broadcaster, which totally makes sense because totally. listen to his fucking voice. Uh, who also ran an appliance firm, by the way. And Harold L. Goldblum, a doctor, his father, was a Russian Jewish descent, and his mother was Austrian Jewish as well. Mm-hmm. My grandparents were from Austria. So that was a big, there was a big movement from Austria back then mm-hmm. um, for that. My, I remember my grandma telling me she had a banana for the very first time by a naval officer who, or a naval, Navy guy on the ship that she was on. Oh, that's a cool story. So when she migrated here, but. Goldblum, Goldblum did say that this was a, a very violent and dangerous love story, which oh. sounds very, you know, eccentric in his way. But, yeah, it kind of makes sense if you think about it, because the devil and her are having sort of this like thing. He admires her because of her power, but he also has such narcissism because he's the devil that he needs to prove that he exists just like God. Only, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why he's saying it's a very uh, dangerous, you know, violent and dangerous love story. But he he said he loved working on the set, too, and he was really excited about this film when it was going to be coming out. He said it was a really great role for him. And uh, I I found this out with that (laughs) that, that interview that he did of himself. Like, uh in one frame, he's, like, wearing his glasses and like just kind of asking himself questions and then mm-hmm. a camera goes to the other side and, <laughs> and it's just him, you know, regular him. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, that's so Jeff Goldblum. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, there was the opening scene where I just was totally captured by. This was. Oh, yeah. This is what did it for me. This is what made me interested it right off the get. Yeah. It was yeah, like you see this uh two guys that go to rob a fucking house in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night and there's a guy who is dead in his car when they break in they go to steal the car they open the door because it's unlocked Mm -hmm. and they find a dead guy in it and they decide instead of stealing the car that they're going to leave well those two robbers get caught that night later on at another house Mm-hmm. And they tell the story of them going to this other place and that there was a dead body, body in the car. Probably as like, you know, hey, we got you lower our sentence if you <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they tell them that there's a body in this car. So this 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 inspector, Det- Detweiler, who goes over to to the house, he comes over in a very nice fashion. It's an old like French or British country home. Cottage. Cottage, whatever. And it's a big one. It's it's definitely a rich home. You know, it's not like a... Right. It's a nice house. It's a big one. Um, They go there. He goes. And then the guy, fucking Goldblum, is he hears a shovel. So they go and there's Goldblum, like... Digging. or Or Mr. Frost is what they call him. And he's digging in the ground. And it's very suspicious. And he's being so casual Mm -hmm. and so he's so casual that the inspector has no idea right he's just like oh he's just doing yard work or something you know and then he invites him in to the house he's even cooking he's like oh do you like alaska baked alaska i love cooking it's one of my my favorite sins yes so and he takes he pulls the baked alaskan out of the oven and then he takes a polaroid picture of it and then he puts it on the wall and then he like throws it away lee throws the food away. right and he said (laughs) it's all about the prettiest one did you notice that? Yeah. And that's how, it, like, uh, what is it called? What, what is the sin called when you need to be the prettiest all the time? It's just like... Vanity. Feel, vanity, yes. Thank you. Vanity. You're welcome. So it's like that. It's like he's using 
vanity there because that is what the devil would do, right? Right. He would throw something away because people are hungry, mm-hmm. but take a picture of this wonderful thing that he just created. Mm-hmm. And the guy kind of looks at him. He's like, what the fuck? You're just going to throw that fucking baked Alaska one like that? He's like, yeah, I spent nine hours cooking it. And then, and then the detective says, well, I need to question you about the body. And then Jeff Goldblum says, oh, that's the body I just buried? Is that the one you're talking about? Actually, I think he said, oh, you mean like the one I just buried outside? <laughs> and he's like, what? Uh, you can't be serious. And he's like, no, I definitely am. There's multiple, actually. Or something <laughs> like that. And it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's it. That that's is where it, so... It catches you. He you're is like, so good in that role yeah. right there. He's a commanding role. And he just smiles through the whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And the detective's like, um, you know, Fuck. that if you're being serious, that is definitely not the kind of humor I like. Right. You know, he's like, and then he, and then the next thing you know is that the police are there and then you're, they're digging up bodies and they find 24 corpses in the fucking yeah, ground. Tw- 24 corpses and seven children. Right. And so then like, and it makes you wonder if the guy that was living in the house, he made do mm-hmm. or he did it himself. Like what, what would it be? Oh, whatever. Cause he gets off on making us do things right like the devil right so anyway he throws him the tape you know and says hey check out my handiwork and then it's like fast forward two years later and he's like being taken into the mental health facility which in in europe to be fair they're much more open about that kind of thing with people they're more about rehabilitation than they are even if you've killed 20 yes 30 plus people uh, e- even more so as a matter of fact oh my god because if you can fix that kind of person will you who couldn't you right so i'm sure they're probably Could you though i probably not they're probably <laughs> there's a probably a certain level that you can't just depends on the situation. What was that one? Oh, there was that story recently, guys. This is crazy. I'm going to tell you about it because it's a really good story. It's a really fucked up story. So there was this girlfriend and this boyfriend who were together. They were getting married or something like that, I think. They are engaged. They were engaged to be married. They went to a party and started doing bong hits. She, the girl, started freaking out because she took too much, I guess. This is what she said. Um, and stabbed her boyfriend. She started looking at him like he was a demon and started stabbing her boyfriend 108 times. That's true love. <laughs> sorry, that's fucked up. I'm sorry. And she's got 108 fucking puncture wounds in that dude. That's intent. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but she apparently got off. Like, they went to court over it and she was going to serve her life sentence and everything. And I guess like they changed the the charge or they got a plea of manslaughter instead. So she mm-hmm. was supposed to serve only four years in a penitentiary because they thought that she was crazy. So they thought that she did it and she didn't realize it. And it was the drug's fault because they had convinced the jury or the judge at psychosis. the Psychosis. Yeah, it was psychosis. Yeah. But they thought that he was pressuring her, her boyfriend, into taking the shot or the, the, bong, oh, the hit. bong hit. And she didn't want to do it, supposedly. So they were going to give her manslaughter. And then when the manslaughter time case came up, when they were going to sentence her, they gave her two years of probation. Yeah. No jail time. Like, that's Ever. wild. Dude. I know. That's wild to me, too. Dude, she literally, if I were in that situation... 
and I wanted to get away with something, I'd be like, oh, I was, you know, hanging out well, at a party and somebody was smoking a joint near me, so I stabbed everyone. Like, <laughs> like what? I mean, I don't mean to be sexist or anything, but no, you wouldn't get that because you're a guy. What do you mean? Because if a guy if a guy did that to a woman, like, no, I don't think it would be a, a sight, a, you know. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure people have gotten off for similar things on either side. But okay, because they always that was the whole 80s thing where the, that person got off on, uh, you know, temporarily, temporary insanity. insanity. Yeah. And so this is like the, the, the more later version of that. Right. So well, I mean, if, if I mean, if they proved it in court. You know, we got to go by the law. Right. But anyway, that whole sort of fucking cat and mouse weird shit, Mm -hmm. I guess, is what were we connecting that to in what part? Because in Europe, you know, he went to the asylum. Ah, Right. Instead of just serving it out in prison. They wanted to fix him like they want to fix her. Mm -hmm. Although she didn't get a mental health like thing that I know of. I'm sure she did. I don't know. No way. I wish I think you would think they would add that, but maybe not. Uh, anyway, so I guess it's just like one of those things. And like the inspector spent the two years that he was with getting to know the killer, Mr. Frost. And he is like, holy shit, this guy's actually the devil mm-hmm. because there's this scene in the movie. And he tells Dr. Day in the movie that I really like. There's so many of his scenes. I literally couldn't stop writing this movie down. Like I had to write every single fucking scene because right. I just loved it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like everything that he was doing, how he was the the... The playing, his like cat and mouse play, his word play was so good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he like tells the story of how he told Detweiler that he wanted him to come into the uh, the prison to talk to him. So he goes to the prison to talk to him. And during this time, he had lost his wife. And you find out how through Frost, because Frost is like, hey, I want, you know, how are you doing? He's like talking to him. He'd kind of try to befriend him. Like one of the first thing he says to him, he's like, oh, He's like, did you get a look at my handiwork with that VHS tape? And he was like, it's disgusting. You're fucking disgusting human being. And gets up. And because Detweiler had no respect for him or whatever, he just kind of walks up and leaves. And then he's like, hey, Sharon, your wife, how's she doing? You know? And he said, you know, the reason I bring her up is because when she died and those two men went in the house, their last thought was that she hated you because you left her alone. Don't, don't, don't. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, yeah. what the fuck? You're like an asshole, dude. That's an asshole thing to say. <laughs> so, like, he falls down. And he's like, he knew exactly the words to say to me to destroy me and sink me to the to the lowest place possible. He, mm-hmm. You know, this is how powerful this guy is, you know? Right. And, um, you know, it's just I, that was just another scene. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other scenes with Dr. Day, though. There's a lot of things that are going on because there's a guy named Christopher who is at the hotel who is like one of Dr. Day's patients. The hotel? Or hospital, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm a little buzzed. Like, where's the hotel? It's like a hotel, I guess. <laughs> Except they lock all the doors. <laughs> they have communal. I mean, like, <laughs> communal. there's free breakfast uh, at least, I think. <laughs> They're definitely not like hotels. Part of the reason they shut them down is because people were treating it like fucking like torture palaces. Right. (laughs) That's why they stopped doing mental, like shutting people away. Oh, no, I I thought Reagan closed them all. Yeah, but that's what was happening. For For, for like 50 years. I don't think all of them were like that. 
I know there were some awful ones, though. Just like not every hospital is awful, you know? Yeah, well, anyway, so he goes crazy, and then he uh, starts shooting people because Frost touched his hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like this moment in the film where you're like, okay, he's going to do something bad. Right. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, he would be a school shooter. <laughs> that was a pretty good uh, uh, performance by that guy, too. He played crazy pretty good. He played crazy good. Um, the guy, in the brother in the wheelchair, though. <laughs> so all of us. So Dr. Day, she has a brother and he's in a wheelchair and all of a sudden, you know, since Mr. Frost came around, all of a sudden now he can walk. He believes. So he, he's <laughs> like, look, look, I can walk. I can walk. <laughs> I got demons running through my legs. Like some preacher or something, you know, like. Right. Oh, rise. <laughs> what are those? Uh, what do they call them? Evangelicals, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <Do> they have- <laughs> oh, is that the ones who bring out the snakes? Yes. So they can dance with the Dude, devil. I sidetrack Charlie today, guys. Yeah, I'm so are. sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, I got to tell the story now because, like, uh, I remember we were we were on fucking Xbox and Johnny and fucking Dean Ice and I went into a chat with a guy in a lobby when we were playing Call of Duty and we asked him to come play with us and we had our clan name was A N U L and we. <laughs> It was just supposed to be funny because of anal. Like, that's how childish we were. And uh, so we told him. He's like, so what's uh, anal all about? And I was like, oh, it's it's not anal. It's it's a new understanding of life or something. I think it was life, not love. Yeah, a new understanding of life. <laughs> and so the guy starts telling us he's in church, too. He's like, what denomination? Da, 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 da. Oh, no. I was like, well, we're evangelicals or something like that. And this guy literally, speaking of Mr. Frost, by the way, this guy was like, I uh, I know how to spot demons, though, you know, because like, like just normal, like everything, like, hey, we're eating a hamburger. By the way, I know how to catch demons. Oh, is that right? Yes, you can tell. You can tell just by the way they look or what they say or how they act, oh which God. ones are demons. Oh. Other people may not see him. But I can. That's what he said, dude. I have the Lord in me. That shit fucking haunted me. I work with somebody like that. And we went from trolling the guy Johnny didn't stop. <laughs> Johnny is just fucking unyielding fucking wild. Dude. And he probably doesn't even remember this as much as I do, but I do because it scared the fuck out of me. Uh-huh. But we were telling him at first to fuck with him. We're like, yeah, Pastor Brian. He's like, <laughs> I think Johnny said it. He goes, Pastor Brian. Hey, hey, Deacon, you remember you remember when Pastor Brian had that snake? And I was like, oh, yeah, I bit him on the neck a couple of times. <laughs> you guys are out of control. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were fucking, I was, pa- I was muting it so I could laugh because it was so funny to me. And the guy didn't flinch. And we didn't really know what to do. So when he started talking about that demon shit afterwards, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, Johnny, we got to get the fuck out of <laughs> yeah, here. Oh, my God. I was like, Johnny, I texted him a bunch. I was like, get the fuck sign off sign off sign off and then i just left mm-hmm. and he was like why the fuck did you leave me with that dude like what's going on <laughs> like the guy was a fucking mr frost dude he's like ready he's the devil man <laughs> he could spot the devil yeah <laughs> 
So uh. yeah, uh, Doctor, yeah, Mr. Frost is pretty wild like that in this movie. It's kind of like that kind of dialogue. So mm-hmm. I guess it's not really too off to really kind of derail there because it really does kind of sound like the same sort of thing. Right. Because his whole reasoning for getting Doctor Day, because of all the doctors, they they make a big show of it. Like these are the doctors that are going to help you, mm-hmm. and he's like, I will only speak to Doctor Day. Can you tell the others that I'm really bored with their introduction speech and uh, all I care about is working with you? And so they're like, well, we're going to work through you, by the way, because you're a woman. And so and you do like, what we say. Yeah, pretty much. And so then, like, he tells her later on, she's like, why do you want me to believe in, in you? She, he's like, I want you to believe. In, he's like, there's she's like, why would the devil come up here anyway? And he's like, well, to prove a point to to kind of fix a couple of things you know kind of right a few wrongs if you will and she's like what do you mean and he's like well in the day we used to like make deals for people's souls but now there's science and you people are like half-hearted monkeys that are just walking around not believing in anything having no faith in anything you don't believe in god you don't believe in me so I'm here to shake things up to bring you back to the science crowd back to prove that I exist. And she's like, why? And he's like, to do something that no therapist would ever do to another patient. One of the most perverse, oh, yeah. messed up things. And I'm like, give him head? Like, what? I thought, well, because in the trailer, there's that scene where he fucking kisses her. So I thought there was oh. going to be some romance. Oh my God. But no, nope. it turns out. She has to kill him. Yeah. She has to kill. Although there is that one scene where he kisses her in the elevator. Yeah. And then smacks her head. head in the, <laughs> the beer. I was laughing my ass yeah, off of that. That's funny. But anyway, so he goes, I need to prove that I exist and and make things right. And she's like, well, you, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, she's like, murder, huh? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. So you want me to murder you? And he's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, well, that would never happen. He's like, yeah, but I know you well and I'll find a way or something. And guess what happened? It happened. It totally does. Yeah. But Which is great. I love that ending. That was so weird and auspicious. It was weird when the other therapist, the male therapist, uh, went to the top of the building to jump and the firemen show up with their inflatable thing well so see this is the thing this is that love story thing that we were talking about with mm-hmm. that get jeff goldblum yeah he's calling it a a, a a dangerous and violent love a love story um it's <laughs> <laughs> terrible jeff goldblum it's terrible <laughs> i'm trying guys it's right? bordering on christopher walken it's better than josh's i'm sure <laughs> well you're gonna have to gold bloom it out <laughs> anyway so what were, yeah, you, don't blame me fucker so i guess you know that's what he's talking about is that he kind of made her brother walk again so he's capable of loving but he also is capable of hurting her too mm-hmm. and he saved that guy's life because she begged for him to not let him die right because remember he was playing chess with them and he lifts that board up and the two pieces are stuck and he's like, oh, that's a nice parlor trick. Now, everything's a parlor trick. He melts gold in his fucking hand. Do you know how hot it has to well, be? look at the magician. Yeah, he just melts gold like liquid onto the ground. No big deal. Well, he has the power of hell, right? <laughs> he's like, oh, you deserve better. He's like, what's this? Oh, I'll get that for you. <laughs> 
I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, but they do the chest, then the, he touches the fucking uh, head doctor and he bleeds out of the nose profusely and mm-hmm. he tells her she's off the case. And that's when her and her love interest with Detweiler kind of like blossom, which by the way, I feel like he's got like a white beard and like a oh, toupee wig, a toupee wig on. <laughs> but if you look at old pictures of him, he's always had that hairstyle. It's so it maybe he was like very, hair grows. maybe he's very prideful of it. And it's really his hair. It's just gray. Right. And he just, because something was off. It felt like a wig. Right. It did. <laughs> no maybe, offense. Maybe he just, dyed strands. Alan, or something, Ye- Alan Bates. Is that what his name is? I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, uh, it ends with her shooting him in the chest. She takes the gun from Detweiler while they sleep because she's like making the rounds with telling everybody that, you know, having her last supper and everything. Before she goes off to prison. There's this weird moment, though, like when she asked Detweiler to come over the night before she goes out to, or the night of she goes to kill Frost. Um, She needs to because he's going to kill everyone that she cares about in that hospital. Right. And so it's like she, you just realize that that's the only rational thing. But in my mind, I'm thinking he's a supernatural being. So if you shoot him, what if he just gets up off the floor? But this is 1990. We didn't get too wild. I don't know. Maybe. Well, he's still in a human body. So maybe he had like the the supernatural powers. But if the body, you know, dies. But, but it's like playing right into him. But in the same respect, it's like it kind of toys with that question in your head. Like, you know, when you kill an animal that's on the road, it's so terrible. You know, it's like I could never do that. You know? Right. And then I would probably do it some fucking half ass way where I'd run over his head. But then it would live. And it'd be suffering. And then I would feel even worse. So then you'd run it over again. And then it would sp- not even kill it. And it would just keep happening over and over. Which is why you should always have a gun in your car. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, So she is really just trying to steer the wheel as harmless as possible. Right. You know, obviously some people already paid the price and she can't change that. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't going to let it happen anymore. And so that night... He comes over and she's like, oh, I'll get your pills or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she reaches in the pocket and she finds the gun. Ooh. And just previous to that, Simon, Detweiler's roommate, who had shot his dog, by the way. Fucking bastard. Because Detweiler had a vision of his wife coming and choking him out, but it was really the dog trying to bite his neck. Mm-hmm. And it was Frost using his mind, his nooka nooka nooka. Mind powers. Mind powers. <laughs> Haven't done that in a while, so there you go. Yeah, but yeah, he uses his mind powers to to fucking I don't nuka, know. Nuka. So you look at, but you look at Detweiler, and he's like instantly like looking at her, like, yeah, that's a gun, and that's meant for you. And it's like, what the fuck is he like telling her to do it? Because I thought he was going to be the hero and like jump in the way and kill him himself for some reason. Right. And then it's like, is no, because he's a man. Well, no, that's just the, <laughs> that's the typical trope. I don't want it necessarily to be that way. It's just how they do it. usually. Right. But like, yeah. So he goes to sleep and she steals the gun and goes and then he realizes she's got the gun. But by the time he makes it to the hospital, she's already killed him. Right. And this is what they have a conversation about, which I thought was really good because she had mentioned it earlier, too, because she said um, he's like, what do you need to prove that time is passing or something like that? Mm -hmm. And she uh, so 
she enters the hospital and Frost wakes up ready to accept her like worthless gesture. And she walks in in front of him and like he, he buttons up his cuffs like on his sleeves. And he's like, you're going to kill me just like we burned witches centuries ago together. Mm-hmm. She's like, shut up. And he's like, you believed in me. I'm back, Sarah. I'm more powerful than all your knowledge and more pretty than any of your pretty phrases. I'm strong. She shoots him and says, stronger than passing the, the time. And he, she sits down on the bed, and that's when Detweiler shows up. Mm-hmm. And then he gives her that same nod of approval when she gets locked in the back of the van. Right. And she, they're looking at each other, and he just shakes his head. Like, you know that fucking meme where they'll... Had to be done. No, the meme where the guy's sitting on a log and he's just like, they zoom in on his face and he's like, yes. <laughs> it's like an old lumberjack or something. Oh. It's a famous meme. It's a famous I don't remember. gif or gif, uh, gif for, for people who are smart. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, I loved that. I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This one I could probably watch again like multiple times now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Because going back over it, I could watch those scenes again pretty easy. Oh. I mean, there's like five really good scenes in that. Yeah. So, yeah, even though the, the middle parts are really super boring, it's like. And pointless. There's, a, there's a really cheesy part in the movie, though. So there was this part in the movie where he was talking to Simon and his exact words. And this is what I remember. That it was cheesy for me. I forgot. Simon was like, do you think killing someone over love is a worthy cause? Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's like a guardian angel. Like, well, like Satan? Almost. <laughs> no, but maybe Simon is like. Oh, I see what you're saying. Metaphorically an angel in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because he does say a lot of really weird things. He's right. always well, like the constantly. Guy, the guy killed his wife. So, you know. But he's always constantly saying something. So maybe he is. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. um. He said, if I told you what you were doing is stupid, would you even listen to me? He's like, no, of course not. You wouldn't. He's like, I won't let anyone tell me not to protect her. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's fucking cheese, dude. Cheesy. It just if coming from like a 70-year-old man or 60-year-old <laughs> man who's not really like Mr. Machismo, it's a little... With his toupee. It's a little much. Maybe I'm just not used to it, and that's how it is, actually. (laughs) They aren't just like Ryan Reynolds every time, you know, when they say (laughs) stuff like that. (laughs) You know, everybody's every male fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah. I don't know. What did you think of the ending? Did you like it? It was kind of bland, but it was okay. Really? Yeah, he died pretty quick. I mean, she went in and she shot just, him. Yeah, she really did. Like, that's all it was. I was just waiting for him to come through the door or something, you know? Like, yeah. So I think that they knew that at the time. So it does kind of subvert some tropes, at least, you know? So that's not bad, right? Right. Um, I don't know. I really like this film, Christina. There is an alternative ending, though. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Where, in the end, she's uh, Dr. Day's in a room and still and quiet while a psychiatrist is talking to her. And suddenly she catches a fly in the air with her hand. Ah. And then listens to it buzz for a second, as Frost had done, and then kills it. Oh. Remember that scene? Yeah, I remember that scene. And there was even a scene, like, I don't know if you caught this later, like, that was subtle. In the beginning. No, it was in the middle of the movie when he's talking to her and she's like, you are underestimating me. Mm-hmm. And he gets frustrated with her because he doesn't want to play her game mm-hmm. because he's smarter than her. Right. And so he's playing along because he loves her. Do you understand? 
Uh-huh. That's where I think this love thing is going on. Oh. He has this passion for her because she's a rebel in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Because Satan is the ultimate rebel to God. Mm-hmm. And so he was kicked out of heaven and sent to earth to cause right. hell on earth, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but he was cast to hell or whatever. You know what I mean? But it's that whole, like, he likes her because she really doesn't believe in God. So in a way, she has things that he likes. Okay. So that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm just pointing him out because there's some depth to this movie that maybe people haven't thought about. And maybe they would like somebody like me to bounce it off of. There you go. really high and can't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it makes sense to me. I really like that. But I, I, like, I think I would have liked that ending better. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, probably. Because it would have meant, but then, then you know what? It probably would have, people would have hated it because they would have been like, oh, it's like the exorcist or something. Yeah. Because in the third one, you know, what's his name? Kerrigan was evil. He took the evil and ended up living. Mm-hmm. And they even brought it up in the newer movie, didn't they? When he fell down the stairs and he was like alive or something in the TV show. Oh, maybe? yeah, it was a TV show. So that's interesting. Maybe that's why they chose not to do the thing. But I thought that was a cool little scene. He would catch a fly and he would let it struggle and he would listen to it for a second and then he would just kill it. Uh, Just little subtle things like that that were really cool in this movie. So Mm I don't know. I'm glad I got it. Thank you, Resolution. I really appreciate it. I thought this was a really cool find. So I'm glad that you showed it to me. I would have gotten to it eventually, somehow, some way. Yes, I'm glad we own it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be hard to watch uh, unless you have YouTube, which is really hard. You know, nobody has YouTube these days. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I would love to hear what you guys think about it. Let me know what you think in the comment section down below. Next week, we got a couple of weird space movies that we're going to be doing that are kind of, you know, more genre than horror. uh, But they have some like stuff in it that I think you guys are going to like. They're just going to be really bizarre films, you know. One of them is Visitors from Arcana Galaxy from 1981. It's a, I think, a Pritnia or some sort of Russian or, I don't know, film about aliens. And, like, it's really crazy, guys. Oh. And then there's the the Extraterrestrial Visitors, which I think was a famous uh, MST3K movie, right? Yeah, I think so. Or, or the It was the on the there, like, the first, yeah, one of those. One of the riff tracks, maybe. We'll figure I it out and let you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and that, both of them, well, the first one's from 1981, and the second one's from 1983. I'm sure you can find it online. We'll let you know about it in the beginning, at the end of the week. So, But uh, thank you guys so much for coming by. And as always, long live the voyage. voyage.